opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to One Hour at a Time. I am your host, Mary Woods. Our show today is about the funny side of sobriety, and our guest is Jack Lynch, who is an 18-year veteran of the Boston comedy scene, who has toured all over the United States and parts of Canada, entertaining crowds with his earthy style, great impressions, and clean but sarcastic view of the world. Jack has performed at all the major Boston venues, as well as the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut, um, the Borgata Casino in Atlantic City, the Improv in Miami Beach, the Punchline in Atlanta, and the Comedy Works in Montreal, Canada, just to name a few. Jack has shared the stage with comedy legends such as Lenny Clark, Stephen Wright, and Damon Wymans, to name a few people that Jack has um, worked with. Jack also speaks to groups who are interested in discussing recovery from addiction. In these shows, Jack draws from his own 23 years of recovery. According to Jack, laughter is one of the most important aspects of the human nature, which is lost in addiction. Jack reminds his audience that it's not only great to laugh, but it's also a healthy outlet and a crucial part to a more contented sobriety. Welcome, Jack. Welcome. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, This is great because I think we undervalue humor and the healing aspect of humor. And um, I often think that in early recovery, people who have a sense of humor seem to do better um, than when they can laugh at themselves and at their own situations. Right. Uh, uh, can you want to begin a little with sharing with us about your own recovery? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about the um, the laughter part because that that was like the thing that got me through the early part. Um, came back, I, the, the laughter came back that I remembered that I had when I was a kid that I had lost for, that I didn't realize I had lost for, you know, however many years I was out there uh, drinking and drugging. It came back and it it was just such a, like you said, it was such a healing uh, thing and healing feeling and such such a good natural <laughs> way to feel good and uh, it got me, it got me through a lot of, of uh, the early hard part of recovery, you know. Um, because it is lost when you're when you're out there drinking and drugging. There's there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about trying to get drugs or kind of trying to get drinks or shaking, you know, from DTs or whatever. So I think it's really important. And it was like I said, the zest came back that I had when I was a kid. That laughter and uh, it really helped me a lot. Well, I think that whenever any of us like get a good belly laugh, every it's so relaxing. It's, you know, it's, it's relaxing, you feel better, it's like a shot of endorphins to your brain. Um, I think that uh, there are people that I know are doing laughter groups who have chronic illnesses, and they're finding that this is helping them um, heal from their chronic illnesses. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't... Go ahead. Sorry, it's up to you. No, yeah, it makes total sense. It's definitely uh, very healing. Yeah. Um, we did a an event a couple weeks ago at which you were um, a a big part of it, and it was a fundraiser for our local shelter called New Horizons. And um, the response that people have 
uh, especially people who are in recovery or, or friends and family members of people in recovery, when when you start to tell jokes about the kind of like the the insanity of the disease. I mean, right. people were like, some people were crying. They were laughing so hard. And I think it's just because they can relate. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, you know, that was a really crazy part of my life. Right. Yeah, it's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. Right, at, right. At the time. And it's, it's you know, I, um, I was thinking of this years ago, a friend of mine's his first year anniversary, his, his parents had come to the anniversary, and he's, Speaking, uh, these other guy, another guy was speaking for him, and he's telling these awful stories, and the room is laughing so hard at all these horrible, horrendous stories. And his father looks at me and says, "Why are they laughing? This is awful." And he goes, and I said, "Just because they've all been there, they all know what it was like, you know, yeah. and that's why they were laughing." Yeah. Where right. someone on the outside was like, "That's horrible." Right. Right. It is. It sounds. It's. It's. It seems really horrible. One of the some of the feedback we got from people that were in early recovery that were at our event was that wow they could have fun sober. Yeah. And and, I, and yeah. I think most people don't realize that. I didn't. I never realized that. Yeah. It took a. It took me a while to go. This is. I can do this and and be okay. Yeah. And that there is life after sobriety. Right, because the, the the whole lie of addiction is like, and in the middle of it, like you can't have fun without, without any mind altering substance. That's the whole lie. The whole, you know, that's not going to be fun if no one's drinking. That's, if no one's getting high, this isn't going to be fun. And that's, you know, we end up buying into it. Yeah. Um, what is it like to be a sober comic? And some of the venues that you play in are pretty much um, uh, bars and clubs, and where people are imbibing and. And having a good time. What is that like? It's um, funny. I, I, yeah, I get asked this a lot. Um, it's for me. It's 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 like I've been sober a long time now, and so like now it's easy. And in the beginning, it was a little harder, but for the most part, my main focus is work. And I'm just going in there, um, doing my thing, and getting out of there. And the good thing about being a comic. As opposed to a musician, I don't really have to break down anything when I leave. I basically just grab my coat and I'm out the door. Um, so um, sometimes, you know, I got to be there a little bit early to check in with people and that kind of thing. That's about it. And uh, but for me, the main focus is the work and not you know what's going on around me. Um, um, and it's believe it or not, a lot of comics are sober, <laughs> and uh, uh, we. Um, you know, the, so the crowd is, is, is basically, I don't know, I kind of put it secondary, and it's its different, you know, being up there talking to drunk people as opposed to, like, a few weeks ago, that sober crowd, which, you know, they know how to listen. And, yeah. and uh, But, yeah, for the most part, I, I feel I'm comfortable going in and out of there, doing my thing, getting out of there. So. Yeah, and I imagine, you know, talking to a bunch of people who are in different stages of intoxication, I would find that strange. You know, um, having to watch that. I mean, when I go someplace, um, just being an addiction professional, I find it strange watching people do that. It's like, wow, you know, you're totally different than you were two hours ago. You know, right? And it, and it's, it's, it's the whole business is weird anyway because you're basically walking into a room. You know, some of the rooms, you know, three, four hundred, five hundred thousand people, whatever. 
all different personalities, and you're trying to make the whole room laugh. So that's that's a job in itself. And then you throw in alcohol <laughs> and whatever else, um, you know, and, uh, and whatever kind of day they had that day. You know, the other people that came in, and you hope it works. And, you know, and very rarely is the situation totally perfect because, you know, someone could drop a glass or, like, this. there's all these variables in comedy where it's, that can throw you off, it's, you know, or help you. And um, so it's, it's definitely a, um, it's kind of challenging, but I like it. I like the challenge. It's, uh, you get to be in the moment. Right. And, and sometimes the crowds, for whatever reason, I, I used to say I could jiggle my keys and they would laugh some nights. And then other nights, you can be doing the exact same thing, and for some reason it's just not working. And, um, you know... My my uh my friend Lenny Clark used to say uh say to the crowd and say, you know, I'm sure as individuals you're all very nice people, but as a crowd you guys are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and it's cause just some nights it wouldn't work. And there's no re- rhyme or reason, it just doesn't click. And uh you know, it's just like having a bad day at work. Right, right. Except for it's in front of a whole group of people. And I've seen it happen to, you know, very huge comics and I said, Oh, okay, it happens to everybody so yeah. it happens. Um, you know, you, we mentioned in, in your bio that you've been um, in recovery for a long time. And from your perspective, is being in recovery different than being sober, or is it the same? Um, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it's a little different. I think it's, you know, sober, I think you're just not drinking. I think being in recovery, you're being involved. You're being... Um, you're being involved, and you're you're trying to uh, better yourself. You're trying to, you know, put the next foot forward and try to be just, you know, try to be a better person and try to figure things out. And you know, um, you know, just constantly doing work on yourself. I think if you're being sober, I think you're just, you know, getting through the day and and you're not drinking. And to me, those people that never appealed to me because those people never seemed that happy. Um, it always seemed to, for me, it's always like, okay, how can I get better? How can I do this? What can I make myself, you know, just be a better person. I mean, I think it's a, it's a better goal. Um, and as opposed to just getting by and and uh, and being mundane and not drinking, you know. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it is different. I think it's, and it's more of a process. It is a process. And there, are, I guess, there are different ways to get there. I mean, there's different things people do um, to make that process happen. Um, right. Right. Yeah. And everybody, like you know, me, the first five years in recovery, I was, I read every self-help book. I, I talked to everybody. I just, I just wanted to change how I was, how I felt. Um, you know, I went on retreats and hitting meetings all the time. I was helping people and driving people to meetings. I was just doing whatever it took to uh, just get through the day. Um, you know, and everybody has a different path to, to take in recovery, you know. There's some people that do certain things I would I would never do to, you know. And I, I, but I was taught early on, uh, one of my first sponsors just said, try everything in the 12-step, you know, groups and, and find out what works for you. And go from there. He said, "Keep an open mind." And he said, "You know, you're going to find what works for you and what doesn't." And that's what I did. And that was like the best advice I ever got. 
And we'll be right back to talk with more with Jack about the funny side of sobriety and um, his experience working um, with hostile crowds and cooperative crowds. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's Channel. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. I'm your host, Mary Woods, and our guest today is Jack Lynch, an 18-year veteran of the Boston comedy scene who is also has over 23 years of recovery from um, alcohol and drug addiction. And our, we're talking today about the funny side of sobriety. And one of the things that you do as a comic is you travel a lot. And how does that work in staying sober and because um, most people get into a routine, they have a, a group if they're involved in the twelve set movement, and they're, you know, yeah, the routine they get into. So, how does that work? Um, well, it's it's actually uh, it's actually been good. The, the, the thing I found early on was um, I could go to a town wherever I was, and I could look up look up the meetings and. Um, and as a result of that, I've, I've actually I've got like different friends, different parts of the country. Because certain there's some towns I'd be in there once or twice a year, and uh, you know I found the meetings. And a lot of not not so much here in you know the Boston area, or whatever. Do they have the clubhouses? But around the country, they have a different clubhouses where they have meetings all day. You know, starting at like seven in the morning till like ten at night, and. Um, some reason, especially like in Florida, I found a ton of those, and I would just, you know, and it was just instant. It's kind of cool because I'd walk in and I'd instantly, you know, have a group of people I have something in common with, and that I would hang out with and have coffee, and you know, sometimes they'd come out to the show, and so it's always. Uh, so I mean, for me, it was it was 
it was kind of it was pretty very easy. I mean, in the beginning, I was nervous about it, but um, it was okay. It was, um, you know, like I said, I had instant friends. <laughs> it's funny after shows, I can always tell when someone's in recovery because they rather than come up and go, "You were funny," they'll say, "Good to hear you." So I always know. Yeah, there's kind of a code there. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, do you find that uh, self-help groups are different in different parts of the country? Is the culture different, or? Yeah, it, yeah, it actually, yeah. Some of the meetings are run differently. Yeah, they are run differently. Um, like here in this in the Boston area, there tends to be more. There's a lot of speaker meetings where it tends to be. Seems like the other where they have other groups come in and speak. Where here, where in different parts of the country, it tends to be they'll just have someone in the group lead the group. Um, and then, you know, open discussion, uh, which they have here, but um, but it tends to be more geared towards whoever the person is speaking. And uh, some of them I've, I've found, like there was ones in Pennsylvania that where they, the person would speak actually for like 40 minutes, and then when he was done, everyone would go around and comment on what he said. And then like there's ones in L.A. I've been to where someone would speak and everyone would just direct questions towards the person that just spoke, not not the rest of the group, which I found different. Um, uh, in LA too, I've also found like uh, like candlelit meetings, which was funny because the first time I went to one of those, I thought, oh, somebody didn't pay the electric bill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sit down, like, why are there all candles? <laughs> it's LA. <laughs> so yeah, there are, you know. They're very different in the way they end them, you know, different prayer or some no prayer. or uh, It's definitely different. Were you um, working as a comedian when you were active in your illness? Uh, yeah, I was attempting it, <laughs> although I'll say not very well. Um, I would have a few drinks, and I'd try to perform. And by the time I would have a few drinks to relax, which never really worked because I would basically I would be in the right mode for about – two minutes, and then I would get past it where I'd be slurring. Um, and, you know, I was basically just talking gibberish up there, not having anything. There was you, no flow or rhythm, you know. How do you know what's funny? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes it just comes up in a conversation, or sometimes, like, it'll. there's, there's lots of things that make me howl that people would stare at me if I said... <laughs> Um, and so it's, and sometimes I'll do jokes just for me. I'll do a joke and it's like, even though most of the crowd doesn't get it, I just, I get a kick out of it. So I'll do it. And just for a few people that might get it. But, um, I don't know the, the only way to really tell, like, you know, as far as professionally is, you know, is to work it in front of a crowd. There's no other way. Um, you know, sometimes okay. I'll work, I'll work it out with, with friends or with, um, you know, you can work it out with comics, but comics, it's a funny, hearing a comic, you could tell a comic a joke, and he'll just go, he'll look at you straight face and just go, that's hysterical. Like, no no chuckle, not even a smirk. Yeah. But they mean it. They go, that's hysterical. But I think with us, the level of surprise has got pushed so far back that, you know, in order to make us howl, it has to be very twisted or, you know, very crazy, you know, punch in the stomach kind of joke in the face. Um, is there a formula for 
um, creating a joke? Uh, yeah, it, and I think I think everybody has their own. Well, I know they do. Everybody has their own formula. Uh, for me, it's a lot of times. For me, it starts as a one-liner, uh, which a lot of my jokes tend to be one-liners anyway. Kind of one-liners that kind of weave together. Where some comics are storytellers, you know, they have like long stories that have like a funny ending, or where I tend to be like one, two, three, punch, one, two, three, punch, and. So, like, yeah, I will start off with, like, a one-liner, and then a lot of, that's how I start, and I'll work it in the crowd, and then I'll... Usually what I try to do is just build on that and try to add more material that's similar or that's going to segue into another. Um, and sometimes I write the jokes backwards. I'll, I'll have a punchline, and then all I have to do is set it up. Um, for some reason, it comes easier to me that way. And then there's times I couldn't write a joke to save my life. Um, but um, the yeah, the one line is, I realized when you know, as a kid, that was always my favorite jokes were always the one, two, three punch, one, two, three boom, boom. Like they're just a rhythm to it. Yeah. And then it just kind of you know, I must I just picked it up because that was my favorite. Um, but as a result, I you know, I'll have. You know, I think about that show in in, um, in, uh, in New Hampshire we did for New Horizons. It, it, you know, you think about it, there's probably, you know, 80 to 100 punchlines, you know, in that 40-something minute set, you know, there's, because of my style. I and mean, I've been told that my style is perfect for TV, but, you know, so. Have you ever been on TV? Uh, just small stuff, a little Comedy Central thing I did. Two different things, a show called Stand Up, Stand Up, and then um, there was an old show that Dom Irera did. But that was, I'm talking 12 years ago, so. You mentioned earlier that a lot of comics are sober. And um, do do people feel like their comedy's better when they're sober? Do they do they feel like their creative process is, is diminished in recovery, or do people ever... Think, oh well, maybe I was funnier when I was using. Yeah, no, I, I think I think in the beginning, I think that's like again, that's part of the lie. Like some of them think they're funnier when they were using, but then most of them that I've talked to, as when they get into recovery a little more, um, like as a buddy of mine now who's sober about a year and a half, and he just he says to me, he says, "I'm having better shows than I've ever had," you know. Um, and I think it just takes a while to to do that and to believe that. And not buy into the lie that you know you got to be high or drunk, and and I, you know, to be honest, I think there's some guys I know that drink that they know that alcohol throws off their timing, so they won't they you know they won't have a drink till they're done. Yeah. Um, and even with me, like I won't have a cup of coffee like two hours before a show because it throws off my timing. It's just I, I, like that sensitive. Yeah. It's um. Because the caffeine just kind of—I'll have a decaf maybe—but the, the caffeine just pushes me a little too fast in my mind. It's weird, but for me, that's how it works. Well, I think one of the myths for a lot of creative people is is that if I get sober, my talent will dry up. My writing—I won't be able to write. I won't be able to play. I won't be able to act. You know. Right now, that's that's huge. And again, I always just say it's the big lie. It, it really is. It's. It's part of the addiction playing the game. Like, ah, oh, this isn't going to work. Have a drink, relax a little. And it's funny, I had 
I had took a little hiatus in between. I was doing comedy for like a couple of years, and then I stopped when I got sober. And I didn't actually come back into comedy till almost seven years sober. When I first came back, I had to think of different ways to relax before a show. I was actually eating turkey sandwiches. <laughs> for the tryptophan? The tryptophan, yeah. Because I just knew that worked. Like when I had a turkey sandwich, it calmed me down just a little bit. And there'd be comics at open mic nights doing shots. And I'm in the corner having a turkey sandwich. And it was like... I always thought it would be funny if I had that on camera. You know? yeah, that, that's a good visual. <laughs> um, when you know, when we think about recovery and, and humor, um, do you have any examples where you've been able to use humor to help other people? Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't know if I have exact examples, but I, but I know it's helped a lot of people. Um, you know, just hanging out with them, being silly, being um, yeah I mean just kind of helped them get out of their own head um, and I'm not trying to think of it I don't have exact examples but I know it's helped and I know I've had people come up to me after and say thank you <laughs> like they just needed that release um, well from a clinical perspective we know that like with cognitive behavioral therapy if you change your thoughts you change your feelings and then it often gives you um, a better, more positive attitude. So if you can use humor to help somebody change their thoughts, then you're helping them to change their feelings, and there's kind of a ripple effect to that. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's funny, and there's one thing that always stuck in my head, and I can't believe like I thought this when I was a kid, that I've had this much, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but, but when I was a kid, I'd watch Red Skelton, and the end of his show... Like this always touched me, even as a little kid. The end of his show, he said, for one minute, if I made you forget about your problem of the day, the problems of the day, then I did my job. And I thought that was such a great line. Yeah. And that's how I feel now. If I can do that now, if I can help somebody get through something, um, you know, and by that, and, you know, and to me this was just a gift given to me that I, you know, I just try to hone and develop, you know. Um, you're also involved um, with Right Turn, which is an organization in Boston that helps creative people in recovery. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, sure. The um, yeah, Right Turn was founded by the former drummer from the Del Fuegos, uh, Woody Geisman, and uh, who is now an addiction counselor. He, um, I don't know, he he had this vision that and. It was, it's uh I love what he's doing. He had this vision that like you we had talked earlier about artists in recovery. They get sober and they feel like that creative link is gone. Um where he tries to show them that no, you can still be creative in recovery. You know, or if you need to change careers we can help you do that too. Like so because um, a lot of times musicians and comics and you know, artists are you know, they they come out of the abyss, and they're like, all right, what do I do now? Like, do I want to get a real job? Do I want to... Um, and most of them tend to not have insurance. Um, they've worked in barrooms their whole lives. And, you know, and how do I, you know, sober two months, and how do I go back into a barroom and play? And, and we'll be right back to um, answer that question right after our next break. We'll be right back, everybody. Steps to a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Would it be crazy if you just stopped everything, packed your bags and left for a week, a month, a year? What if you left for two years? Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To build libraries and fill them with stories? Prepare a meal with food you helped grow? To teach children? and learn a thing or two about yourself. Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. A healthy dialogue for your lifestyle. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. I'm your host, Mary Woods, and today we're talking about the funny side of sobriety, which also has a serious side as well. And our guest today is Jack Lynch, who is a thir- who is an 18-year veteran of the Boston comedy scene and who has over um, 23 years of recovery from alcohol and, and drug addiction himself. So welcome back, everyone. And before we went to break, Jack was talking to us about Right Turn, which is an organization in um, Boston that he is involved with. So, Jack, you want to finish telling us about Woody and Right Turn? Yeah. Yeah, as I was saying, um, yeah, uh, Woody has done this thing where he's helped uh, creative people in recovery either get back to being creative uh, in their during the recovery process or, um, you know, find jobs, find other careers, you know, give them options to what they can do and also help them with, any uh, mental health or addiction issues they have at the same time. Uh, what is your role there? Um, I just uh, right now I'm interning there, but I, I part time. But I, um, I I I help them out mostly with uh, like the fundraising stuff, um, and I also uh, take pe- introduce people over there that need help. Um, but it's mostly been the fundraising thing and helping them um, when they have to make you know decisions about recovery and about where they want to go, um, that kind of thing. And, you know, just just a small part. Um, I help whenever I can, just because I, I really believe in what he's doing. Right. And he's helping a lot of people for free, people that have nothing. So um, 
uh, kind of, like I said, they, they they don't have any insurance or right. they don't have a whole lot of means, so I try to help you them. You mentioned you were interning, so is comedy your nighttime job? Do you have a, are you looking to expand your career? Yeah. Well, actually, and, uh, as you know, I've been working part-time at uh, Westbridge for the last uh, year and a half uh, as a mentor. Um, I've been doing that, and which has opened my eyes to uh, to kind of get more into this uh, business. Um, so I've actually gone back to school, and um, yeah, I'm doing right now. I've, I've kind of cut back on the traveling, and uh, I've been very picky about the traveling. Uh, so I'm staying here, working part time, and I'm going to school a couple nights a week to uh, get my uh, my KDAC and then my LADAC actually, and yeah. Um, and yeah, this the combination of uh, right turn and Westbridge has uh, uh, changed my life. So well, and go ahead. Sorry. You've helped to change a lot of people's lives as well, Jack. You know, you've, you've made a difference for a lot of people that I know of. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, uh, when we're talking about the funny side of sobriety, but there's also a funny side of treatment that, um, for at least for people who are treatment providers, and I and I often think that sometimes the only thing that gets us through some days is being able to laugh about it or find something funny about what what could be the utter chaos. You know. Oh, totally. Yeah, to- yeah. You got to have a sense of humor, and, and the humor's got through a lot of stuff. Do you see that in, in your role as an intern or is in your role as working? Do you, do you also find the humor in treatment? Oh, yeah, that, definitely. It's, um, yeah, and sometimes I don't know, like, how it comes out or how it, um, sometimes it just comes out. And, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of a little bit of a knucklehead. Like, <laughs> someone's having a hard time. I almost want to, like, you know, stand in my head and just like do something silly and you know but I don't do that obviously but yeah. but uh, that's the kind of like how I think like all right how can I lighten this situation and um a lot of times just lightening it up can help people see that it's not so bad or you're going to be okay um do you notice like with um your peers or your, like your your coworkers that that helping to find the humor in, in situations is helpful too Oh, help with them? You mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think I think all of us, and I think yeah, yeah, it, it definitely helps. Yeah, in the work. Yeah, the, the work situation it helps a lot. Um, to help them lighten up too, because sometimes they're having a bad day because they can't see through a problem or you know trying to get through the day. And yeah, it does help uh, with the coworkers. Yeah, as well, definitely, and the and the the uh, clients and. What advice would you have for folks out there who may want, who are in early recovery, who may want to um, take up comedy or get back into comedy? Um, I would, I, I would, uh, you know, I say go for it. I say, I think, you know, we get sober so we can do the things we want to do. Uh, there's things we need, you know, that probably gnawing at us our whole lives. And I think about it when I was in the middle of my addiction and and even when I got sober I I said I got to do this I got to do this this thing was gnawing at me that I had to try this and and even if you just go out and try and you fail 
You go, at least I tried it. Where in the middle of addiction, you're not even going to try. You're not going to leave the bar stool or you're not going to leave, uh, you're going to talk about it, and, which is something I used to do all the time. You know, sit at a bar and talk about it and not do anything. And when I get, and especially this time when I got clean and I really got back into comedy, I did my first set sober and I thought, you know what, I did this. Even if I never do this again, I walk through my fear and. And I think that's a huge part of recovery is walking through fear. And and, and I think it's important that you to, you got to do a lot of things you don't want to do, or not not necessarily don't want to, but you don't like you don't have. I don't know. You have to just you know plow through it and go. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be okay and walk through it. You can do it, but do it afraid. And it's okay to be afraid. Where right? I thought before, like you had to have this, you know total calmness to do the things where it's, it's that's another lie it's like no things in life are challenging and it's okay to be scared and it's okay to say hey i'm, I'm afraid i'm afraid to let me do this and um you know and i you know i think talking with other people in recovery and and telling them what you want to do and what your goals are and i think all that all plays into it and you know support from other what kind of support do people need? I mean, if if a young if somebody's early in recovery and they want to go start uh, doing comedy in a club, from a recovery perspective, what kind of support do they need? Well, I think you know if they're early recovery and they're talking about doing a set at a club, uh, you know, I would think you'd probably want to try to bring someone with you. You know, either your sponsor or you know a couple sober people. You know, people with good, solid recovery who can just kind of, you know, be on the wings and just kind of just be there, even just show their face and just to support you if you have a hard time in in the club or, you know, even with the nerves, like before and after. Because um, it, it, it's very intimidating. It's like the to walk up on stage, especially if you're early recovery. I mean, early recovery, everything is huge. I mean... I remember myself, like early recovery. Every, uh, you know, someone would say you want cream in your coffee. That was like a huge decision. Like I don't know, do I want cream? <laughs> like everything was like seemed like these monumental tasks. Um, so I think doing something, you know, like walking into a nightclub and trying to make a bunch of strangers laugh could be even more daunting. You know? So it's 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 really good to kind of know your own self. And to actually have people who are um, sober and supportive there with you when you first begin. Definitely, definitely, it's huge. And, you know, it's huge in recovery, and then it's you know, and then you know, when getting on, trying to get on with your career or start a new career, same thing. You need to surround yourself with good people so you can work it out and find your, uh, you know, find your way. Um, what made you decide that? You wanted to do comedy. You said it was something that was like gnawing at you for a long time. What was that? Uh, I've been obsessed with comedy since I was a kid. Uh, I remember watching Johnny Carson, believe it or not, as a kid, and I just thought, I love that. Because I, I used to make kids laugh in school, mm-hmm. but I couldn't believe that a guy was on TV, you know, doing 10 minutes at the beginning of every show and he was making people howl all across the country. I thought, that is the coolest job ever. Um, and my mother, and I've been a night owl since I was a kid, and I'm still a night owl. It's funny, I've been sober a long time, and I'm still, you know, up late. I still, 
I don't know, just the way I am. Uh, I would actually sneak out sometimes, sneak up and to watch the monologue. And uh, I remember even in like seventh grade in English class, the teacher asked who's, what's a monologue, and I was the only one who knew <laughs> just because of watching Johnny Carson. Like I was, we were doing a thing in English. So I think from that, and then it just, and it had been a dream of mine, and then late teens I started hanging out in some of the clubs in Boston, and um, I was obsessed with these certain comics. You know, it's like all those guys were, it was like Lenny, Clark, Stephen Wright, all those guys were, you know, they were had been doing comedy a couple of years, and I was obsessed with seeing these guys and, uh, you know, memorizing their act, and I would tell my friends what they said, and and they were like, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do this? And it was always just kind of egging me on. And so it was just a slow progression. And then, you know, like I said, I, I did it a little bit in drinking, but I ended up, you know, dropped out for a while. And then when I got sober, I was driving down the street one day. I was about almost six, seven years sober. And I heard this guy on the radio who I just thought was awful, <laughs> like this comic. Didn't make me laugh at all. And I pulled over and I literally called Catch a Rising Star and I said, when's your next open mic night? And he gave me a date, and he goes, all right, this date. And he said, come here, be, have five minutes. And that's that's how it's been the last 18 years. That, that's how it started. It was 18 years ago in November, I think. Um, so having a good memory and good timing is uh, the secret of being a good comic, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be right back to talk um, more with Jack, and maybe we'll find out some of who his favorite comedians are besides Johnny Carson. We'll be right back. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. To savor something means to delight in, to absolutely enjoy. So why not savor yourself? Author and internationally acclaimed speaker Doris Smeltzer brings her message to the airwaves with Savor Yourself, Beyond Skin Deep. Plan to spend an empowering hour with Doris where you will learn to recognize your worth and your beauty beyond society's limited one-size-fits-all mentality. Savor Yourself with Doris Smeltzer, Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. on the East Coast, only on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our show today is The Funny Side of Sobriety. And our guest is Jack Lynch, who is an 18-year veteran of the Boston comedy scene and who has over 20 years of recovery himself. So um, you were mentioning Johnny Carson before we went to break. Who who are some of the other comics that um, really make you howl? Um, a lot of the, there's a lot of local guys uh, here in Boston that, Probably my favorite guys are, there's a guy, Ken Rogerson, very funny, uh, Joe Carroll, um, I'm trying to think, and, and then as far as like the more famous ones, like I, I loved early Leno, I, I used to watch Leno when he was in the area all the time. He was, his early years, he was very cynical and sarcastic, mm-hmm. and for some reason that tends to make me howl. Um, him, you know, Lenny Clark, Stephen Wright, and um for the national scene, I, I was always, I liked Carlin. I liked Carlin's early stuff better. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing George Carlin in the early 70s when I don't think he was sober, but my face hurt. I was laughing so hard. It was He was so edgy, you know, and what he was saying back then were things that people really didn't say out loud in public, you know, and, and he was just, he was almost, um, I don't know, he, he was reflective of our, of the time and the place, and, um, you know, he was so much a part of that culture. Yeah, and it, the thing I loved about him, too, is he, he made everyday things seem absurd, like okay. things you did every day were just like, he pointed out how absurd they were, and yeah. which I think that's, like, brilliant in a comic when you go, look how ridiculous we are. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and he never really made jokes at other people's expense, which I appreciate. I think when people use humor to cut other people down. I don't find that uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's easier and it's and it's yeah, it's actually better. You get a wider audience if you're <clears throat> kind of just doing generalize, you know, everyday human to just the human condition as opposed to picking on some people. Although some people do it very well. <laughs> like you know, like a Don Rickles or but you know but that's his old. thing, you know. But that gets old because you know that that's what's coming. You know, it's it's like, okay, that's what he's gonna do. Yeah. Right. Uh, I I always liked like early John Cleese. You know, oh. I thought I thought he was wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm a huge uh, Monty Python fan. Yeah, and uh, the physical comedy. You know, he had he also had the physical comedy. Right. Yeah. I loved all that early stuff. Cal Benicio, all that, all those things made me howl. And those, the thing I loved about those guys is they, you know, those people they had to, they had, they had to be. So clean, so they had to be like even way more creative, because you know what you know when they had three networks, you know there was such a you know you had to be squeaky clean, so the the line was so fine that you could walk. Right. So I mean it's just brilliant, you know how they just they walked it and they had to be so extra creative and kind of sneak stuff in, like you know some stuff that you could tell, like, you know some people in the crowd probably didn't get it. <laughs> but, right. 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 But it was, but it's brilliant, and I think that's the problem with cable now. Is everything so watered down 
um, you don't you don't get the best of the best all the time. No. You know, uh, well, those days, you know, the best were on TV, you know. Right. And we had a few networks. One of the things that I've noticed, too, is that a lot of good comedians are also very good at drama. You know, you, you think about, like, I mean, Carol Burnett's done drama, um, blocking everyone else. But, you know, but you very rarely see somebody who is a dramatic actor or trained that can do comedy. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, like one guy comes to mind immediately is Robin Williams. He's an right. amazing dramatic actor. Right. And he's like, you know, and you know, on stage he's the silliest guy you'll ever see, and uh, just brilliant. And I, I don't, and I don't know if the comedy thing opens up something, but I also, I also think comics, you know, tend to they have the silly side, but I also think they have a very sensitive side, and I, I think that's where it comes from. I think it's. Um, you know, for me, that's what I would think. You think they see the pain in life, or they feel the pain in life more? Yeah, I think. Yeah, in a way, I think they do. I think some do, and um, I think most of them do. And I, I, you know, unfortunately, some of them they they feed on that, and they they you know they like the pain, or they they feel it, it's part of the uh, process. Um, it's funny because I look at stuff like that and people being miserable. There's, there's comics I know that are the most brilliant comics, but they're the most m- miserable, unhappy human beings. And I think, you know what? I'd rather be a mediocre comic right. and right. not feel like that. I'd rather be happy. And um, you know, I think, I think the um, yeah, I think you're right. Because I think comics tend to see the world a little bit to the left anyway. Okay. That's you know. Um, a little bit to the left, so we just look at it a little differently. Well, I mean, you think about Dennis Leary, who's got a TV show where it's a drama. Right. Yeah, and Lenny, Lenny's on that show, too, and Lenny Clark's on that. Okay. Um, yeah, and actually Adam Ferrara, there's like a few comics on that show. Okay. do a great job. It's a, it's, a, it's a great show. It is. It is a good show. And... Um, when we talk about like resiliency and how important that is for survival and for recovery, um, being able to have a sense of humor and being able to see the funny side of things is one of the the secrets of of uh, being well, don't you think? Yeah, totally. It totally is. It, it's um, otherwise, I, I you know I know for me I'd go crazy I'd, if I didn't see that. The 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 uh, funny side of things, and, you know. It's weird, but you know, there's times I've been at like saddest times of you know of uh, you know sad days, and I've we've you know like funerals or whatever. And believe it or not, howled because we're telling these stories. You know, and I think it's out of the pain that we kind of like. That's our our way of climbing out of it or getting through it is making each other laugh and. Um, I, I'm Irish Catholic, and um, growing up, those are the only kind of funerals and wakes I'd ever been to till I got to nursing school. And I went to um, one of my fellow students' father dropped dead, and they were Italian. And it was like such a culture shock. It was I, I couldn't believe it. I was so uncomfortable, you know. Nobody laughed. Nobody, everybody was wailing and crying. And it was like I couldn't get out of there fast enough, you know. Right, <laughs> right. Well, here's a here's a weird story, but when my dad died, my dad died like 14 years ago. Um, 
whereas standing there in the, in the thing for the wake, and we're we're my you know dad, full Irish Catholic, and um, all these people start coming through, and it's like about forty comics came in, and my sister just looked at me, and go, we should do a show right now. <laughs> Like we should do a show because we get all these comics, and and the comics are all coming through, making wisecrack remarks, making me laugh, and it was good because I was, you know, I was not feeling it, you know. Uh, well, I think I mean, it's part of the celebration of life is that you know, during a wake, you tell jokes, you celebrate the person's life, and you want to remember them in a positive way, you know. I think I don't know. No, it's true. I, I think it's 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 better to do it that way than you know the other way is. You know, and the person obviously would want it that way. You just kind of celebrate and and try to get on with everyday, um, <clears throat> your everyday life stuff. Yeah, and trying to turn something that was negative into something positive, or something finding the humor in the fact that you know I worked with a guy who uh, was drinking in Boston and wound up in the middle of winter and wound up the next day on a beach somewhere in the 100-degree weather, he had no idea where he was or how he got there, you know. And at right. the time, it was very scary, but when he was telling us, we were all howling with laughter, you know, because, you know, he was in a blackout, and somebody stole his wallet, and luckily enough, he put his plane ticket in his shirt pocket, so he got back from Puerto Rico. He ended up in Puerto Rico. He didn't even know how he got there. Right. So, you know, um, at the time, he was terrified, but then it was funny. Yeah, by the time he was telling it. So um, we have a couple minutes left, Jack. And do you have a joke for us? A joke? Well, I could tell you a joke that they tell in Allen on all the time. <laughs> I don't know if I'll do my act, anything for my act, but um, uh, I don't know if you've heard this joke in Allen on. Do they edit this if it's awful? No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, this is a joke they tell in Allen on. Uh, a, a guy dies and. They all show up at the wake, and they ask the widow. They said, "How did he die?" And she said, "Oh, alcoholism." And she said, uh, "They go, oh, did he go to meetings?" And she goes, "The wife goes, no, he wasn't that bad." <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everybody out there listening got that one. Um, <laughs> um, and I hope we didn't alienate uh, any of the folks that are nailing on. But uh, that was good. That was good. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, everybody have a wonderful week. And thank you, Jack, for sharing with us the funny side of sobriety and your own experience, strength, and hope. Thank you. This is very nice. Okay. Have a good week, everybody. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.